0: Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. In the book of Matthew in chapter 11, and uh, he says, are, are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? He says, then come to me, and I will refresh your life. He says, check out these words, I love this. For I am your oasis. He says, simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, I'm humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. Sometimes you can tell where religion kicks in and God gets kicked out because the burdens that we tend to carry Tend to be things that we don't think we can handle. Don't think that we can. We can't bear the weight. And a lot of times, that's a great signal that, that you've you've either uh, taken your your burdens and your life and your concerns and your your struggles to a place where where you've not allowed God to be in the picture, or you've picked up something thinking that it's God, but it actually wasn't. Let me read these last words again. For all that I require of you, let Jesus speak to you in this moment. Will be pleasant and easy to bear. That's comforting, coming from our Savior, our Lord, our King, our God, our Messiah. He's not trying to get you to measure up to some religious standard, trying to trying to get you to make sure that the, the sum of your relationship with him is the measure of what you accomplish and the boxes that you check every day and the things that you didn't do and the things that you did do. But he says, hey, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, is just simply come to me and I'll give you the rest. I'll remove the burden and what I'm gonna do in you is give you life. So here's what I wanna do right now. If you're here today and you're like, you know what, I don't even know how to define it, describe it, but there's something inside of me that's empty and I'm hungry, would you just stretch your hands towards heaven? I'm gonna pray for you right where you are because even as we were singing this last song and we're prophetically saying these words, Jesus, nothing else will do. Nothing else will do. How do we know that? Because we've all tried everything else, (laughs) right? We've tried everything else and it's not working. So instead of us continuing to do the same things over and over again and expecting different results, why don't we allow ourselves to surrender to the one who said, I came to take the weight off of you and I came to give you, give you a life that was going to be pleasing and easy to bear.
1: So I was going to say this toward the end of worship, but um, I just let the moment go. And um, Holy Spirit won't leave me alone with this. But this morning, I woke up with an old hymn in my head, just going through just a couple lines of this old hymn. And I feel like somebody may be here who knows knows this hymn from a long time ago. I used to sing it um, as a little girl. And I had these words just running through my head this morning. It's all hail the power of Jesus' name let angels prostrate fall, bring forth the royal diadem. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. So I looked it up this morning and it's, it's a crown. We are to bring forth that crown that we place on his head that shows that he is sovereign in our lives. We are to bring forth that in worship. We are to bring forth that crown. It says all, all hail, all of us hail the power of Jesus name the angels the angels they prostrate fall so why aren't we we bring forth that royal diadem that crown and we are gonna crown him Lord of all we are going to crown Him Lord over every situation in our lives. We are going to crown Him Lord over the political arena. We are going to crown Him Lord over over this church, over this city. He is Lord. You are Lord. We crown you King of Kings and Lord of Lords. No matter what we are facing, no matter what we are going through. You are Lord and you will be king in my life. That thing is not the king in my life. You are the king in my life, Jesus. God, we place that crown on your head in its rightful place and we say you are sovereign over this situation. You are sovereign in my life. In Jesus' name. Come on.
0: All right, so if God wants to give you something, you need to put yourself in a position to catch it. So if you wanna receive from the Lord, if you wanna touch from the Lord, if you're like, what does that mean, God gonna touch me? It just means that God wants to love you. God wants to let you know that he's here. He wants to minister to the inside, the, the body, the soul, and the spirit. So Father, we just thank you right now for what you're doing in this place. Father, we thank you that you are our king. We thank you that you are our Lord. Father, we thank you that regardless of what it is that we're going through in our life, that at the very mention of your name, everything has to bow. Everything is subject to your authority, Lord. Every trial that we go through, every temptation, every struggle, every defeat that we think that we suffer, every, every burden that we've been trying to carry on our own, every hole inside of our spirit that we've tried to fill with other things. Father, right now we put ourselves in a position to receive from you. So Holy Spirit, we ask that throughout this place, Lord God, that you would, that you would just come and love on the people that you gave your life for. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that there's not a man, not a woman in this place that is so far gone, Lord, that your love cannot reach and transform their life. Father, we pray that in every moment, Lord, where there's need of healing, where there's need of relationship restoration, God, whether there's need of financial breakthrough, Lord God, whether there's need of broken hearts be mended, Father, we just know that right now, that as we call upon your name, Lord, we know that you are here. Our heavenly Father, we know that you give good gifts to your kids. God, we don't deserve it, but that's called grace. And we don't get what we do deserve, that's called mercy. But Father, we're here today to to receive everything that you would have for us. God, may we lay down the things that we've tried to control that we have no business controlling. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, if you believe it, can you say amen? Clap to God and give him a shout this morning. Amen, 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 amen. Come on. Uh, So go ahead if you will. We're going to read Acts chapter 1 verse 8, which I opened with last week. And, uh, and I want to open it, again, open with it again today. Actually, let's do this. Y'all can go there if you want. But can we do something? We never do this. Can we read this out loud together? Y'all just read with me. I just kind of want you to, to verbalize this yourself and hear it. And uh, we'll... We've never, we'll have never. we see how this goes. I don't know. Just follow along with me. All right. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, in Reno, and in Sparks, and in Carson, and in northern Nevada, the western part of the United States, and the ends of the world. I always like to add that in there because... I haven't been to a lot of those places, but this is where I live. And uh, we need to know that the mission that God gave the church when they first started is the exact same mission that still exists for the church today. And God's not looking for people to come together and create religious societies. He's looking for people to come and create community that's based around the grace and the love of God, around the message of the gospel, which is good news. That's what that word gospel literally means. It means good news for everyone. And that's why we're here. That's why the church exists. So last week when I was kind of getting into it, I was kind of making the the argument, making the case for your purpose and to let you know, and I think somebody needs to hear it again today. Even if you were here last week, sometimes this reminder I think is very, very, very important. And the reality is, is that your life has purpose. Your life is not a mistake. And I even pulled up this this study that some really, really smart scientists did. They tried to create a, a numeric calculation to kind of show just how big of a deal you are. Somebody say, I'm a big deal. It's okay. It's okay to admit that. God thinks you're a big deal. And so they, they did the probability of, of, your, of, of your parents coming together, the probability of, of you becoming who you became in the womb. The probability of you being born in the time that you were born and the place that you were born and the chances of you even existing is one in 400 trillion. That's a big number. Also mentioned last week, I think the odds of you winning like the jackpot Powerball is around one in 300 million. So there's a... (laughs) So there's a greater chance of you walking out here, going down to the grocery store and picking out some numbers and winning it big than there is for you to even be born on this earth. So that means that God created you with purpose. How do I know that? How do I know it wasn't just a mistake? Because number one, God doesn't make mistakes. God makes miracles. And so if you are existing, if you are breathing, if there is blood pumping through your body, regardless of the state of your life and condition, you need to know that you are a miracle. You're not a mistake, doesn't matter what somebody told you. I know we live in a world that's fallen and broken and filled with sin and people that are hurt and hurting people hurt other people and there's people that have told you that you're a mistake, that you'll never amount to anything, that you'll be just like your dad was and just like his dad was and just like his dad was. God says, no, that's not, what I, that's not the plan that I created for you. You're a miracle, you're made with purpose. And check this out, a life with purpose is a life worth living. And so I want to I talk about this in the context of community. You have supernatural purpose. We've been talking about uncensored Holy Spirit for a while, just the reality that, that so much of church history in the church world, and especially in the Western society, we have, we have done a very poor job representing the wholeness of who the Holy Spirit of God is. And if you want to hear more about that, you can go back to our, our podcast and pick up some of the other episodes. I don't want to rehash all that here, but this is what I want you to know when it comes to who God is and who he wants you to know about or what he wants you to know about him is that, is that uh, he, he wants that relationship with you. He doesn't want a religion with you. I think we probably say that every week, we can go check the records, but there's a reason why we say that every single week because it's so important for us to embrace this reality is that God is not looking to create a set of rules and regulations with you. He's looking to create a relationship that fills you with purpose and it unleashes the purpose that was actually created in you before you were even conceived. So let me read a couple verses to you. I'm gonna read from uh, the book of Acts chapter two. I'm gonna pick up at verse, I think it's verse 42 actually. And it says, this is, this is what happened. So Jesus is walking with the disciples and he's like, hey guys, guess what? I'm gonna to have, to, to have to die. And they're like, okay, okay, that sounds weird. Why would you say that? I mean, I'm gonna be dead for three days, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna raise from the dead. They're like, wow, that sounds pretty incredible. Okay, is this a metaphor? And they did. It says they didn't actually figure out that all that was real until after it happened. After it happened, Jesus, boom, he just shows up in a room, appears to him, shows him the hands, I mean, the, the holes in his hands and, and the, 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 where he was pierced in the side and, and the holes in his feet and the, the scars that were on his forehead and his back. And, and it says, then, it, you know, the light bulb comes on. Anyone ever had that moment where something was super obvious, but then you didn't figure it out until all of a sudden the light bulb pops and you're like, oh, okay, I get it now. So that's why you said that. Yes, that's why Jesus was saying that. But he also told him, listen, it's better... If I go back to the Father, if I ascend back to heaven, because then and only then I'll be able to put my spirit in all of you. Because in the flesh, Jesus was just, he was one person. But when he was able to put his spirit in all the Jesus followers, then he multiplied himself through the life and through the power available in Jesus followers, made, made available by his spirit. And that's the power that we need to begin to live in as a church, as people who claim to be Jesus followers. And if you're here today and you don't know if you're quite there yet, it's okay. You just need to know that the life that God created you to live is not a life that's supposed to be weak and destroyed, but it's a life that's supposed to be empowered and dominant. Yes. And dominant in a way where the things that Jesus did become things that we do through our lives. You're like, man, I can never do the stuff that Jesus did. Well, you got to start somewhere. Why don't we start with saying yes and giving God an opportunity to begin to do in us what he says is possible in the first place. So Jesus ascends back to heaven. Acts chapter 1, he told him, hey, don't leave Jerusalem. Don't go and do that Acts 1-8 thing that we just read. Don't go do that until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then you'll have the ability to do what I created you to do. And so when we don't tap into the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, we're actually holding back our very purpose. We cannot be everything that God says that we can be until we, be until we receive everything God says we need to receive. So many of us guilty, I'm so guilty of this. I've tried to go out and do things on my own strength, things for God, try to do the right thing, try to be a good person. And usually the outcome of that when I do it on my own strength is either a failure or even if I accomplish something good, I'm worn out, frustrated, and walk away with like a bad taste in my mouth. We're like, well, God, you know, I was trying to do your work. I was like, were you? Did you? Did you want my help or did you, because that could have gone a, a whole different way. Lessons learned, you know. So, so you realize, okay, I'm gonna, I want to do all the things that God, I feel like he's called me to do, but I'm not going to do it until I've got the power that God says that I need to be able to do it. And so it, the Holy Spirit was poured out on, the, on, the, on the, the Jesus followers that were there, and it says that's where the church was given birth to. And so then, then Peter, because they, 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 uh, the Holy Spirit shows up and they're all, they're all praying in tongues, they're speaking in different languages, they're spilling out into the street, and it seems to be creating quite a stir because they're attracting literally thousands of people were hearing what was happening and were coming to where they were. And it says that Peter got up and began to address them because they had some questions. Just like any city should have some questions when the people of God begin to make noise. It should, it, should be, it should be a noise that attracts with curiosity, not a noise that repels, not a noise that puts weights and burdens on people that makes them say, no, I'm good, I'm good. There are so many people that are stuck in searching out other religions because they are so hungry for something that is real, and when they came to what they thought the source was supposed to be, they found something that wasn't supposed to be there. And as a result, they were repelled instead of compelled. The church needs to be a noise, needs to be a sound, needs to be a rumble, needs to be a shaking that compels people to come and say, what in the world is this? Yes. And there's always going to be haters. You don't have to worry about the haters. But guess what? Jesus had haters. If he didn't, he wouldn't have ended up crucified on the cross. He had haters. And you know what? Some of the people that were responsible for Hanging him on that cross were the ones that later would be compelled by what happened in Acts chapter 2. And so listen, don't, don't allow the, the, the doubt of those around you and the skepticism and, the, and the, the, the pushback, the rejection, don't allow that to keep you from being what God says you can be. It's not even about you proving people wrong. It's just living a life following after Jesus and trusting that what he said he will do, he will actually do. Because when God begins to have that permission in your life, that's when we begin to unlock something that is supernatural. So it says that in verse, this was after Peter got up and he's talking to the crowd and he's, he's basically, it's the first message ever preached in the new church and he's preaching Jesus. That's a great pattern for all churches. What are we talking about? We better be talking about Jesus. That better be our message. That better be where we're trying to point people. That better be what we're trying to, the seeds that we're trying to plant and the souls and the spirit of our region. It's not some religion thing, but it's about Jesus. Anyway, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna divert too much. So in verse 42, I believe, it says that all the believers, can you say all the believers? All the believers. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Fellowship just means getting together. To sharing in meals, including the Lord's supper. There was food involved, that's always a good thing. And it says, and to prayer, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers, there's that word all again, all the believers met uh, met together in one place and shared everything they had. That wasn't because they were weird communal hippies, (laughs) it was because they were living in persecution and had nowhere to go. You need to understand the context of what was happening. Not only were they living in persecution because they were worshiping someone who, who was declared to be a king while they were in Roman occupation being ruled by a king, but they were also uh, following a Messiah that even the Jewish culture in that time had rejected and crucified. And so they were, now they were the enemies of the, the two main groups in which they lived. And so they met together like I lost everything. I actually had some of my family members that were killed. That's okay. You can come hang out with us. I don't really have anything. Well, you know I've got some stuff, we can sell that, we can have some money, and then we can figure this thing out as we go. So I've seen people kind of take that whole, we just lived all together and it was great, and it gets super weird. That's not not what it was supposed to be about. No, they were trying to survive, yet they were filled with love and they were filled with the power of God. And it says at the end of this section, it says in each day the Lord added to their fellowship, to their church, to their numbers, uh, those who were being saved. And So even in the midst of persecution, the gospel will still be spread forth. You ever tried to? You ever tried to uh, uh, contain oil in your hand? It's hard. Well, it's not hard. You can't do it. <laughs> and 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 the harder that you squeeze it to try to contain it, it seems like the more it oozes out. And, uh, and Dwight and I were talking about this before the service, just about this thing of, uh, of um, just the, the the power of the gospel and and, and just the thought of how. Um, it seems throughout history, from, from this time, even till today in different parts of the world, wherever there has been an effort to, to persecute and to stamp out the church, those, those have been the moments historically where the gospel spreads even more rampantly. Amen. And I just kind of got that visual. It's like it's like holding oil in your hand and like trying to squeeze it. All it does is it makes it spread more. Or you try to stamp out a grease fire, that's a bad situation too. It's just going to spread. And I I had this thought, I was like, I wonder if it's possible for us to get to a place in our culture and in our lifestyle as, as individual Jesus followers and as a church to where we don't have to rely on the pressure of persecution to be compelled and pushed to spread the gospel but that we can have a culture in our everyday life that embraces the beautiful power of who God is, the love and the grace of God that we ourselves have experienced, and we live in a culture that, 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 that purposefully, supernaturally purposefully endeavors to spread the very thing that we live in every single day to others. Well, you know, I just don't want to force it down somebody's throat. Since when did showing people supernatural love, was that a force? Since when is extending grace that is only explainable by the love of God, something that is is not welcomed by other people? See, what we do when we start forcing is we take something that we struggled with, that we have been trying to work through that's legitimate, and it's become legalistic in our own lives, and then we've tried it, we think that we get to a point of religiously perfecting what used to be our own hiccup, and instead of allowing other people to be on their journey and loving them through it, we begin to impose on others the expectation that we have put on ourselves. And when they don't measure up to the expectation that we have put on them, that we have put on ourselves, that's when religion begins to dominate, and that is what people don't want forced down their throat. But no one is going to in the depths of their heart say, hey, would you stop forcing that love and, and grace on me, please? Stop having grace for me. Stop loving me. Now I know that there are some people that come from a place of, of where they've been hurt, where they've been abused, and sometimes love can, you're like, you're not sure what this is. But that doesn't mean if you continue to be who Christ is, then that will break down the barriers that people have put up even to protect themselves. That's a whole nother message. Last week I talked about number uh, this first point, supernatural purpose is found in community. Philippians 1:27, it says, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together. Come on, somebody say standing together." together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the position and stance that you have taken. No. Fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. When you're in the right community, you'll know the right fights to fight. When you're disconnected from community, you will find yourself fighting against those that are actually trying to love you. Or you'll find yourself fighting against those that God is calling you to love. But because someone is not in the same place that you are and believing a thing that you believe and not passionate about what you're passionate about, The very people that God is calling us to love and to reach end up being the very people that we position ourselves against. And it shuts off this opportunity where God wants to use you. It's like, well, because of me, will God not reach that person? No, he'd probably go through somebody else because he loves them more than you do. But the reality is it's not about, well, God will take care of it. No, because God wants to give you an opportunity to partner with him. He wants to give you a chance to be the voice that makes the difference. He wants to give you a chance to be the person that ministers. He wants to give you the opportunity to accomplish something supernatural that in your own mind, you don't think you're capable of doing. So that you can do it and then God can say, did you see that? You didn't think you could do that, did you? You didn't think that you could tell that person that I love them, did you? You didn't think that you could go up to that coworker who you know has been struggling physically and just without being a weirdo pray for them And then walk away and just leave encouragement. You didn't think that you could stand up and say something to somebody that was bringing destruction into an environment and speak life into that. You didn't think you could do that, did you? One thing I'll say about this before I go to this next one is that the reality of you existing in a community is that you will only ever get out of a community of people what you desire, what what you first put into it. Let me say that again. You'll get out of it what you put into it. Sometimes we're trying to make withdrawals from the relational community, and we're getting these overdraft situations because we haven't invested anything into it. And so, again, there's grace for that because we're all of these different places. We're figuring things out. If there's there's any place where it's safe for you to kind of have an overdraft, we have overdraft protection here at church. That's called grace. (laughs) It means it's okay. But listen. I hear people all the time, man, I, feel, I just feel you know, they, they, they're, they're not here or they stop hanging around the people that at one point was an encouragement for them and then they start talking about how I'm struggling, I feel disconnected. Whenever I see a light that's not working because it's not plugged in, I pick up the cord and I plug it back in because when it's plugged back in, it's reconnected to its source of life and power. But if you allow yourself to stay disconnected, you're just going to continue to exist without the power that's supposed to fuel you. And so listen, that's another big part of what church is supposed to be. And that's why it's important for somebody to find community where they can be consistently. Because if someone, and I don't, this is one of those apologies where I don't really apologize, but I think I should say it before I say it. But if we keep having a mentality in the church world where it's all about what I'm being fed and what I'm receiving, and so this week I'm going here, and this week I'm going there, and next week I'm going here, and oh, they got a guest speaker over here, I'm going there. You may be fed, but you are disconnected. You may have a working light bulb that's in the outlet, but there's never any power because it's not connected. We have obese Uh, Christians in our world because we are so consumed with consuming, but we never do anything within the sense of community that pours out. The beautiful thing about this uncensored Holy Spirit is that he so greatly desires to continuously fill you, but if there's never a healthy outlet, either it becomes stagnant, it becomes disease-filled, it becomes broken, and if something is leaking out, it's not because we're pouring out, it's because there's something broken in us that hasn't been addressed. And God desires you to be whole, to be healthy, to be filled, to be connected in community and to be pouring yourself out to others because when you pour out, then there's more room for God to pour back in. Number two. (laughs) This is gonna be a year and a half message, guys, okay? I don't know, supernatural purpose is fed with God's word. I've got some alliteration going here, it's just gonna take a year to do it. So, Because the first point was supernatural purpose is found in community. Supernatural purpose is fed with God's Word. You gotta take time. You gotta take time uh, throughout your week. I encourage people, take time throughout every single day to find five minutes to just open up the Word of God. Where? Read something in the Gospels. Go to the book of Proverbs, get some wisdom, but just feed something inside of you. Yeah, it's great to come to church and be fed, but six days out of the week, you need to be able, I say this probably more than I think I do, you need to be able to make yourself a sandwich and feed yourself. You're like, well, how do I do that? So there's, there's multiple groups of people. There are those that know how to do it, but they're too spiritually lazy to do it to themselves. And then there's those who don't know how to do it, and they need those, they need those who know how to do it to teach them. Peter even talked later, he said, listen, some of you should already be teachers, but you're still drinking milk. There are people that need what is already inside of you, yet you're still thinking to yourself, man, I just wish somebody would, I just need to be fed. That's that's fine, that's fine, but be fed, but realize how much is actually already in you. And even if you are one step ahead of somebody else, you've got something that you can give. Don't wait for the opportunity for somebody to do a crew that you think should be done. Step up, get trained, do a crew, and lead people. That's, that's what we need. We need an army of small groups within the church community so that people who are afraid to come to church for whatever reason will find, uh, find some peace in coming to a coffee shop, somebody's house. You know, we've, we've got to create this sense of community that, that makes things way more healthy. But listen, we're not going to be fed until we make the determination of ourselves that we are going to get in God's word. Not that Pastor Craig is going to force me into God's Word, not that Pastor Kara is going to force the Word of God on me, but that there's a hunger inside of me that is so hungry that I'm not going to wait for somebody else to cook something. I'm going to go cook it myself. And maybe over a period of time i got to figure out how to do this thing, but I know that the Bible tells me that this Word is the lamp unto my feet and it's the light unto my path. This is the bread of God. This is the word of God. This is the life of God. And when we read it, it doesn't make us religious. It breathes life into us, feeding that supernatural purpose. Supernatural, purpose. so it's, it's fed by the word. Supernatural purpose is fueled by prayer. Fueled by prayer. <clears throat> the early church learned how to pray. And I think the reason why they were so motivated to learn how to pray, and it's a good model for us, but they were under extreme persecution. And I want us to be a church that doesn't have to have persecution just so that we learn how to be passionate about praying. Praying isn't something that super spiritual people do. Prayers are not something where somebody wrote a book of prayers and that's what I'm supposed to read and that's praying. If you need that, that's great. But praying is a relationship. It's you talking to God and you giving time for him to talk back to you. Wait, God's going to talk to me? If you let him. How am I going to hear it? Well, you can hear it in many different ways. Maybe we'll do a class on that. But the reality is sometimes if we just get into a quiet place where we've put our phone away, the TV's off, some of the distractions that are going on in our life, we've kind of silenced those things. And just allow the Holy Spirit, the uncensored Holy Spirit, to begin to speak to your heart and mind. When you begin to know the goodness of who God is, you begin to trust what he wants to speak to you. You begin to learn how to decipher what is coming from God, what is coming from my own mind. Typically, this is a little cheat sheet. Typically, if there's something that is building you up positively that you are feeling or thinking or hearing, those are things that are coming from the throne room of God. We don't have to overcomplicate things. We don't have to get weird about deciphering what God is speaking because God's not trying to dangle carrots. He's not trying to play tricks. He's not trying to find the super spiritual people that have earned the right to hear him. He's just looking for children that want to hear daddy talk. But it's fueled by your supernatural purpose is fueled by prayer. Ephesians six eighteen it says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Well, you know, when is that? It's all times, and it's every occasion. Anything you're going through in life, this isn't about, man, God, and I say this sarcastically because I've actually had this conversation with people, like, you know, I was praying this morning, asking God, should I brush my teeth? And I'm like, time out. I'm sorry, what was that? It's like, no, brush your teeth, put on some deodorant, be a human being. You don't need to pray about that. But what you need to pray about is, God, help me with my attitude as I go to work today. I got to sit next to that person, and you know it's not going to go well. I'm going to say something. I've had enough. And you begin to pray. You begin to allow the Holy Spirit into your heart, things begin to change. It says, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. For all believers everywhere, there are people that you don't even know that you can still pray for. That's the beauty of praying in the spirit, because it, it, it disconnects this thing that sits on our shoulders called our mind, our head. And it kind of gets our thinking out of the way. And when we pray in the spirit, it gives us the ability to, to be praying into things that we don't even know about, but God's using our heart and he's directing our prayers. And then lastly, supernatural purpose is flourished by action. Supernatural purpose is flourished by action. We were never supposed to be dormant. Being a Jesus follower was never, uh, uh, it's never it's not a sport where we just kind of sit back and watch God do things. Um, our supernatural, pur- our supernatural purpose begins to explode through our life when we take action. Back to that verse that we opened up with in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. God's power, listen, is always connected to God's purpose. Always. And so if we're tapping into God's power, but we're not tapping into God's purpose, then there's there's been something that's disconnected. And I want to speak, as I, as I wrap this thing up, I want to speak to those that doubt themselves. Those are like, well, this is great. This is great, but I'm not even, I'm not even there. Like, I'm, I'm I'm not the person that God's picking. You're talking to somebody else. And I want to encourage you this morning to realize that listen, when when Jesus showed up on the scene and the people that he wanted to, to work with, he didn't go after the scholars. He didn't go after the people with the resume that was blowing everybody away. He didn't go after those with all the intern experience. He didn't go after those with the master's degree and the doctorate. He went after those that didn't cut it in the educational world and had to get trade work. The fishermen. There were a couple of others that were in there that they may have been educated, but they were hated by everybody, like tax collectors. That was like Biblical Times IRS, you know. They were still not loved back then. It's, you know, never been, it's never changed. But the reality is, is that, listen, God's not looking for the qualified He's looking for those who will simply say yes. I love reading over when Jesus was first choosing his disciples. Nothing giant happened. He just went up to them. Hey, Peter. which he didn't call him Peter at the time. I'm just flash forward. Hey, Peter, follow me. Boom. And he they did. Like, well, that sounds really easy. That's what Jesus is looking for you to do. He's looking for people that will have enough faith not in yourself, but in Him, that when He calls your name, that you just say yes, and you begin to follow. And you, you're broken, and you're messed up, and things are falling apart in your life. But you're still saying yes, and you're still walking, you're still getting up. Yes. You know what's funny is that they followed Jesus for three and a half years, and you still kind of get the idea that they still didn't get it. You still kind of get the pictures; the picture is still painted that these these not just the twelve, but even others that began to follow. He he definitely had a following but they still didn't quite get it because after he was crucified and after he died and after he was buried, they were still walking around with their their tail tucked between their legs and their head down, all depressed, like, hey, we thought this was gonna be something. And then we see this interaction where Jesus literally kind of just shows up when there's two disciples, not one of the 12, but but just two of his followers were walking down a road going towards Emmaus, a town where they they were literally going back home where they came from. They were leaving where all the followers were. They're like, Well, it's over. I guess we're, I guess we'd go back home. And it says that this Jesus showed up and they didn't recognize him. And they're like, Hey, what's going on? You know, you've been watching the news recently? Jesus' is like, No, what's going on? They're like, Are you kidding me? And they begin to talk about how basically this is what Jesus, who he is, this is what he came to do. But then, and they, and they died, and yeah, I don't know. And it says that Jesus began to open up the scriptures to him and, and began to reveal himself, not in the flesh in the moment, but the, he's like, guys, don't you realize what the scriptures say? He had to die. He told you that he was going to die. It says he followed him. They went to their house, sat down, had dinner. It says Jesus took the bread, and he broke it, and he gave thanks. And it says their eyes were open. They realized it was Jesus. And then he freaked them out, but it says then he vanished. Not something Jesus was doing pre-crucifixion. This was post resurrection Jesus. And it says at that point, their faith was built up that they realized, oh, he did. He did say he had to die. He was going to be dead for three days, but he would rise on the third day. He did say that. That is what that meant. And it says they turn around and they, I don't know how long it was, they ran all the way back to where the other followers were, where the other disciples were. And they were filled with a sense of purpose. They were filled with a sense of awe. And it wasn't too long after that that the Holy Spirit showed up in the way that Jesus said, and it fueled them to be in their culture, what Jesus was calling them to be. Supernatural purpose. Don't discount your purpose. Don't discount what's possible in your life. Don't disqualify yourself because of your comparing yourself with somebody else. The Bible says we compare ourselves amongst ourselves and that's not wise. Don't do that. You are who you are and let God do a transformation work in your life. Why? Because you're one in 400 trillion. You have a fingerprint that will never be replicated. You have a purpose that will never be filled by somebody else. Jesus loves you. And he didn't just die to keep you from hell, He died so that you could live life. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on convochurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.